You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, entering the uh, brave new world of the second half. Uh, not quite yet. I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but uh, after all, All-Star Game is today and the uh, Home Run Derby last night. So we're, we're inching our way to the second half. And before you know it, the home stretch of the fantasy season. Joining me a little bit later on in the show is Matt Modica. Uh, from uh, right here on uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, he's co-host of uh, the Roto Experts show and uh, also uh, maintains the starting pitcher index at CTM Baseball. Uh, so whenever I want to go in-depth with uh, starting pitchers, I call on Matt, and uh, glad to have Matt join us today. Um, but uh, before we get to any of that, uh, you know, no games to talk about, of course. Uh, talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby. But, um, you know, it's an opportunity, as we all take in, in this industry, to kind of look back on the first half, look ahead to the second half. So um, Matt and I are going to look at some starting pitchers who are on the all-star team that we wouldn't necessarily have thought were going to be all-stars, and also look at some who have had distinctly non-all-star-like seasons, uh, but yet could maybe be all-stars in the second half, which doesn't really help them get on the team for this year, but you get the idea. And I'm going to go over a number of players uh, who are giving fantasy owners some difficult decisions, both in terms of possible drops and maybe in terms of possible ads or or buy lows or, or sell highs. Um, so that is the agenda for the program today. But we do have some news to get to. So, uh, of course, the, the big thing, uh, this being... The uh, all-star break, we did just have the home run derby last night. Aaron Judge won it handily, or uh, as I like to say, he acquitted himself very nicely. Um, you know, there's a lot of Aaron Judge puns out there, but I hadn't heard anybody make that one yet. So tried to be, uh, you know, first, uh, first one out with that one. I'm sure I'm not. Anyway, so uh, Aaron Judge, uh, yeah, just a, a fantastic power display as we all expected. I was very surprised to see uh, Giancarlo Stanton exit in the first round. But, uh, you know, it's uh, hard hard to really be too surprised because that was just a, you know, quite the collection of uh, power-hitting talent there. Uh, well, let's get on to some news that may affect you fantasy-wise. From FanRag Sports' John Heyman, he's reporting that the Angels, Blue Jays, and Royals have all expressed an interest in trading for D Gordon. And as far as trade rumors go, those are uh, starting to heat up now, you know, that we're getting into July. Uh, but the Marlins have been at the center of a lot of that in terms of who they're likely to trade, who they're not likely to trade. So um, anyways, we'll get into more of that. We got ahead to break about right now, but uh, we'll take a closer look at that Heyman report and a few other news items you will need to know about. So uh, stick with me. And uh, be right back after this very short break. Hey. 
Hey, fantasy nerds, here's a question for you. What do mozzarella sticks and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network have in common? They're both awesome apps. But seriously, download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app right now and get all your favorite shows and fantasy advice at the touch of a tiny icon on your screen. Snapchat and Instagram aren't going to help you win a fantasy football title, but the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app will. So go get it now on Google Play and iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I mentioned in the first segment, uh, very shortly we'll have uh, Matt Modica on. Should have him here for the uh, for the next segment. Uh, got more news to get to, more player analysis to get you ready for the second half. But uh, before any of that, i got to tell you about the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network app, which you can take with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So I had started to talk about this John Heyman report uh, from FanRag Sports where he uh, 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 reported that the uh, Angels, Blue Jays, and Royals all have an interest in D. Gordon. Um, and his name was, was conspicuously absent from uh, some of the early reports about who the Marlins were not looking to trade. Uh, Justin Bohr was one of those names, but I've seen his name still crop up uh, elsewhere. Um, JT Real Muto, uh, apparently uh, not a, a player that they're eager to trade. Dan Straley was one. I have to admit, I was slightly surprised to see. Um, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, but of course that still leaves uh, you know Martin Prado, AJ Ramos, David Phelps, and D. Gordon. Um, so that's uh, it's interesting for a number of reasons. One, uh, in terms of you know Gordon maybe moving from the uh, NL to the AL because all those three, all three of those teams are in the AL. Uh, interesting in terms of who might take over at second base for the Marlins. Interesting in terms of the Blue Jays and Royals and Angels, actually all three teams being buyers instead of sellers. Uh, we'll see a lot more, uh, you know, I'm sure in the coming days and weeks uh, in terms of how that's going to shape up. That could go either way with any of those teams. And I'm certainly going to tackle that question regarding the Blue Jays when I've got Jonah Carey on the show on Thursday. Uh, I'll probably mention that at least one more time this show. Uh, so uh, that will certainly be a topic I will cover with him. But moving on to some other news, Eduardo Nunez is expected to return to the Giants lineup on Friday uh, in their opener of the second half uh, at San Diego. So uh, definitely plan on getting him back in your lineup. Noah Syndergaard is expected to start a throwing program in two weeks. Um, and there's still no timetable in terms of when it's expected that Syndergaard might actually return to game action for the Mets. But uh, from a report by Newsday, um, Syndergaard, whenever he does return, might actually go to the bullpen. So I do get the occasional question. In fact, I got one earlier today about whether or not to drop Syndergaard, uh, you know, for this this player or that player. And you know, granted, it's just a possibility. Um, 
so you know, I still hold out the the, the hope and the and that there's the possibility that Noah Syndergaard is going to start games for the Mets late this season, and that you would really regret it if you dropped him. Because anybody who it is you're picking up off of waivers, there's probably going to be some element of risk there. And great, I mean, there's there's all kinds of risk with Noah Syndergaard when he's going to come back, what role he's going to be in, and, and if he'll be at, at full steam. But uh, even with this news that he may return in a relief role this year, I'm not really advising anybody to drop Noah Syndergaard. I'd say that probably the strongest advice uh, I'm giving in terms of a possible drop is just check check all your options. And, and if there's anybody who's even remotely close to droppable, drop them before you drop Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Matt Harvey and Jerry's Familia are both expected to start their throwing programs immediately after the All-Star break. So... Uh, as with Syndergaard, even though they're throwing a little bit sooner, no timetable for any of the three, Syndergaard, Harvey, or Familia. Starlin Castro, well, there were some reports indicating he might be back immediately after the All-Star game. He may be delayed, uh, or appears he will be delayed, at least a day or two, because he is going to play some AA rehab games on Thursday and on Friday. And then after that Friday game, there'll be a determination made in terms of what the next steps are for uh, Starlin Castro. So the absolute earliest it appears that we would see him would be this Saturday. So if your league has opted to have a three-game week, there's a minimum of a third of Castro's schedule uh, out the window for uh, week 15. And... Uh, there's been all sorts of news uh, in terms of uh, you know Major League Baseball and and uh, you know what they're they're maybe going to be doing about the uh, allegations of juice balls and um, that was something that uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred addressed earlier today and uh, according to uh, the Players Association had Tony Clark uh, that. They're uh, working with MLB on that issue of the uh, potential juice balls for, quote-unquote, health and safety reasons. Uh, And according to Bill Shaken of the LA Times, he tweeted this out, and he said that could mean blisters as well, um, the health and safety reasons. So that's kind of a a little bit of a merging of some different issues that have come up. Uh, Certainly the power spike is something that... Nobody around baseball can really ignore, and um, Manfred uh, has indicated he thinks that maybe it's got to do with the bats and not the balls. Um, so they're looking into all sorts of things. But uh, we had a statement from Marcus Stroman, I think roughly a week ago, saying, you know, what's up with, with all these blisters, uh, pitchers that are coming down with, with blisters? So um, apparently the, the Players Association is in on that, and that's something that's going to be looked into. Uh, so... I'm sure there'll be much more to come on that. Uh, so as I uh, indicated a little bit earlier in the show, the agenda here is, uh, of course, to look forward to the second half and, and look at some players who might be taking their value in a little bit of a different direction going forward. So I'd like to start with a group of hitters, seven hitters in particular that I've, I've highlighted, um, who are just about universally owned. And they've they've managed to maintain the trust of fantasy owners despite having either just an awful first half or have slumped for a very large portion of the first half. And yet these are players who are all owned, you know, pretty much 95% and up, you know, certainly 90% and up despite some really protracted struggles. So we'll start with Brian Dozier, uh, who I've been getting quite a few questions about 
is he droppable? And I've been leaning no on this, but I could certainly understand. Um, and, you know, I've got him in some leagues. I've been benching him. I'm not ready to drop Brian Dozier. And basically my, my thinking on it is this, a uh, couple of things. Uh, so far, he's played 81 games. He's hitting 242 with 13 home runs. That is pretty much where Dozier was at before last season. Now, the thing is, I think second base has improved since then. So to just say, well, okay, you know, maybe he's not going to repeat what he did last year, but if he does what he did two years ago, which he's pretty much doing already, you know, then, you know, he's an elite second baseman. No, I don't think it works like that in 2017. But I do think it can get better for Dozier. He's been dealing with a sore back. And this is somebody who's had a history of being very streaky, uh, lots of ups and downs that coincide with injuries. So I think once Dozier gets healthy, you could see something very similar to what we saw around uh, mid-late June last year where he finally got healthy and just went off. I don't know that he'll do that again. I don't know if he'll ever have that kind of... Uh, second half when he was hitting for average, I didn't really understand where that was coming from. I think it was a little bit fluky, to be honest. I never completely bought into the average. I, I totally ad- enjoyed it as a, as a Dozier owner, but I was always waiting for kind of the, the shoe to drop with that. So the 242 average, that's just who Dozier is. He's a fly ball hitter who's one of the most extreme pole hitters in the major leagues. Um, but I think the power it wouldn't take a lot for him to increase that home run rate for him to look a bit more valuable. And that's going to be true for a few other hitters on this list too. You know, that's something you have to bear in mind. He's got, you know, 13 home runs in 81 games. So a 26 homer pace for the whole season, which is, you know, not bad, but you, you expect for and hope for more from Brian Dozier. It wouldn't take a big uptick from him to, to get to that level where, you know, he's maybe on a, you know, 32, 34 homer pace. So, um, that that's you know that's my thinking on him. Just a little bit off. I think he got got to stick with him. Wait for him to get healthy. Uh, Rugnet Odor, sticking with second base here, kind of a a little bit of a different issue. I mean the the batting average is way down, but he is not disappointed in terms of power or speed. He's got 17 homers and nine stolen bases. So you really can't complain about that. And you know when when it's the batting average is, that's the one thing that's off. That's usually a sign that this is a player you can trust. I've got a head to break, but I've got a little bit of a different take on Rugnet Odor, and I'm going to have to let, leave you hanging on that one because uh, I'm going to go to break, and when I come back, we're going to have Matt Modica uh, to talk about pitchers. So I'm going to have to leave this hitter talk for a little bit later on the show, but uh, I'll pick this Odor discussion up after, uh, after we've talked to Matt. So uh, anyways, stay with us. Should be a great segment coming up. Be right back. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. 
Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And as promised, time for our special guest. Uh, you know him from Fantasy Sports Radio Network and the uh, uh, the Roto Experts show. You uh, hopefully know him from CTM Baseball. And if you don't, uh, you need to check that out, ctmbaseball.com. I'm talking about Matt Modica. Matt, uh, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Al. I'm very excited to be talking baseball. Uh, even though it's the break, looking forward to Friday. He's been talking tons of football, but my true love is baseball. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, I'm glad to glad to help you out, and I know you're going to help us out too. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, you got to got to fill the time. I mean, I'm looking forward to the All Star Game tonight, but you know, no no games to talk about. So. Uh, uh, an opportunity for us to look at some pitchers. Uh, I've, I've lumped them into a couple of groups. Uh, some pitchers that are going to uh, probably pitch tonight in the All-Star game. I know both managers are talking about trying to get everybody in. Uh, but we're also going to talk about some pitchers who are conspicuously absent from the All-Star game. And if you had gone back in, in March or April, I think you almost certainly would have expected uh, the pitchers in that group to be there. So we'll, we'll uh, break this down to two groups. So let's, let's start with the actual All-Stars, Matt. Uh, Irvin Santana, Luis Severino, Jason Vargas, and Robbie Ray. Um, I, I don't think a single one would have been a projected All-Star uh, at the beginning of the season. So starting with Santana... Um, what, how do you like his chances for uh, replicating what he's done in the first half into the second half? Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard for him. He was a guy that coming into the season I liked as a back-of-the-rotation guy. I thought he was a solid option for that. He consistently gives you 180 innings and you know, just under like a 380 ERA. That's been his uh, MO for the past few seasons. But I mean, he's going back to last June. He was on some run. The key with him going forward in the second half is avoiding the blow-up outings. Is he going to be a you know a two twenty-five ERA guy that he was for over thirty starts at one point? No. Right now he's sitting at a three ERA. You're hoping he pitches to like you know a three seventy-five ERA rest of the season, which you know isn't that bad considering that the MLB. You know, ERA average is what, like uh, 445 or something like that. So that's well below average. And he's a guy that's going to give you innings. He's uh, he's crafty. He's better than I think what people kind of label him as, but he was never nearly as good as, you know, good for him. He's an all-star, but that level's not going to come back. Um, so I think I know the answer given your analysis there, Matt, but would, would you consider Santana must start in the second half or more of somebody to – to stream on and off your bench in a 15 team league in a 15 team league. He's probably going to be in my rotation except for certain outings in a 12 teamer. He's more of a, he's more of a streamer for me. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Home, home starts lineups with a lot of righties, uh, teams that aren't so good. Uh, how about Luis Severino? I mean, this is a guy who really had to battle just to make the Yankees rotation. Now he's an all-star. Uh, do you think the first half was legit? I do think the first half is legit, and this is a kid that I really didn't believe in coming into the season. I thought the Yankees were correct to give him a shot to be a starter. I wasn't sure that he could do it. He's been he's been really excellent. It's been an excellent first half. The strikeouts, he's got a good walk rate, and he's just coming into his own. Now the question being is, can he keep it up over the course of his first full season? I know he did pitch. 150 innings or so last year between the majors and the players. 
but it's a different animal when you're pitching in a pennant race and all that. Uh, he's one of the guys I would take a chance on because with the current state of pitching today, uh, I mean, at least this guy's going to give you the strikeouts. And I think he can, you know, based on what he pitched last year, I could see 180 innings or so this season. Yeah, no, that sounds very reasonable to me. Uh, now, Jason Vargas, I've talked a ton about him all uh, season long so far. He's been interesting all season long. Uh, where do you think it goes from here for him? Uh, I spent some nice money on Vargas after his uh, first two starts when he was a strikeout artist, remember, way back when. But he's <laughs> yeah. a guy that's well outperforming. But as long as, he's in, as long as he stays with the Royals and in that park, that really helps his game. It's kind of like Ivan Nova going to Pittsburgh and leaving Yankee Stadium, going to a park that benefits his game. Uh, I mean, I'm worried about Vargas. You know, he's not going to be this 220, you know, 260 ERA guy going forward. But I, I think he's, a, as they say, that crafty lefty and stuff. So he's somebody that in a deeper league, he's definitely going to be in my rotation until he blows up. In the 12-teamers, I definitely want the home starts. Uh, yeah, now that's you know, that's definitely a key for Vargas. I mean, that the ballpark is great for him. Uh, not so much for Robbie Ray, uh, but it doesn't really yeah. seem to matter too much where <laughs> where he pitches. I mean, he he's been very interesting too. Uh, I've talked about him a lot, so I'm really interested to get your uh, your view on Ray's season so far and, and where you think it's going because he's he's got these extremes. Uh, you know, extremely good at missing bats, but when uh, contact was made, uh, you know one of the more dangerous pitchers around. So, uh, you know, on balance, uh, what sort of pitcher or what sort of value do you think Ray has going forward? Going forward is a question. I mean, coming into the season, he's returned that. I mean, it, it's been phenomenal. But like you say, when they do make contact, that hard hit rate is astronomically high. And on the road, he's, he's been a dream. I mean, he's pretty much even home road as far as innings. But it's like, you know, over three runs difference in the ERA. He's a guy that I'm rolling out there in fifteens uh, and twelves going forward. The strikeout upside is just too awesome. It's you know, he's got a lot of four and a half walks per nine, and it's amazing to have like a three ERA with that. We're just under. <laughs> but uh I don't know, you know, that doesn't jive, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I, I understand that. But just the fact that, you know, he can strike out 10 batters on any given night, if hopefully he gets some improvement and can kind of, you know, level off the splits, I think he's an arm for now, 12 or 15s, you got to throw, I mean, obviously 15, but even in 12s, you got to throw him out there and hope for the best. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I, you know, I did trade him in one league. I think he, his value could come down a little bit, but if you've got him, you, you do have to start him. I don't think there's any question. Uh, let's get to some of the non-All-Stars, Matt. Um, and I've got five here. Uh, uh, Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, Johnny Cueto, Garrett Cole, and Jake Arrieta. Verlander and Porcello sort of got linked in history last year when Porcello won uh, the Cy Young in the AL, and, and Kate Upton was upset. But uh, neither one's uh, sniffing the Cy Young, it looks like, this year. Uh, of the two, who do you see as having the better rebound potential? You know, I want to say Verlander, but uh, you know, I'm going to go with Porcello here. I think Porcello's pitched better than his numbers to date. 
that walk rate is under two. He's striking out like, you know, over eight, close to nine. And he's on the Red Sox, so he should get wins. He's a guy that goes deep into games for the most part. Uh, I'm hoping Verlander can somehow figure it out in the second half or possibly get traded to the Dodgers. But for me, much as I'm, uh, you know, it pains me to say it, I think Parcello is the one here. I, I agree with you completely, and he's trending the right way lately, so I'm, I'm encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, now Johnny Cueto, I've talked about him a bit the last couple of shows. Uh, it's obviously not going well for him at all. Um, what do you think owners should do? Is, is he even droppable at this point? Uh, or, uh, I mean, you know, where on the range of possibilities do you see him landing? Uh, even in a 12-team league, there's no way I'm dropping Johnny Cueto. You, you have a bench for a reason. He's been too good for too long. He's still pitching at AT&T Park. I don't know what that contract, how tradable he is. But uh, hopefully if he does, if he wants to get traded, you're hoping he stays in the National League. But Cueto's a guy that I'm going to take a chance on in the second half. Say I'm uh, outside of the top three, sixth, fifth place. You know, this is an arm that usually is there for you throughout the month of September. He's a great competitor. He knows how to pitch. It just hasn't gone well for him this year. And I take a shot on Quayle. I don't really have any metrics to back it up or something. It's just <laughs> back of the baseball card kind of, kind of theory. Uh, well, you know, Arietta, I think, is sort of in the same class. You know, he's he's uh, not to the same extent of Cueto. You know, he hasn't done it for years and years. But, you know, Arietta has shown that he's can be elite over a long stretch. He's been far from it this year. So would you give the same sort of advice uh, to owners about Arietta? you know, uh, kind of throw the Hail Mary with him, or uh, are you less optimistic? I'm less optimistic. He was a guy I really – I don't zero shares of. I didn't want coming into the season – I was kind of changing my tune after the first couple of months. He had the strikeouts and everything, and I thought, you know what, maybe he can put it together. He's on the Cubs. But Arietta, I'm not so optimistic about. I'm sure somebody will overpay him in the offseason. Of course, you know, pitching is so dire. But he's, unless I get him really cheap and I can, you know, just take a fly. I think I saw a stat like a couple of weeks back that Julio Chassin has had a better ERA over the last calendar year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, it's, and he, I feel like Shasin's underperformed, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not that good. I mean, I, wow. I was, I, I was kind of changing my tune back in early June saying, you know, Arietta's a guy that maybe if you can get, if you can get, if you can get on a discount, but the last month hasn't gone well, so. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, no. we're just about out of time here, Matt, but we do have one other pitcher to get to. That's Garrett Cole. So, as quickly as you can, uh, are you buying the recent string of good starts from him? Yes, I am. I'm a Garrett Cole uh, believer. I don't, I don't know how people feel about that. But I think he's better than what he's shown. He got blown up that give those seven runs. But I think you can see a nice stretch from him. He's a guy I will definitely take a gamble on. Very frustrating, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely agree. Well, Matt, thank you so much. You packed a lot of information in there uh, for one segment. So appreciate you coming on and, and helping us out. And, uh, enjoy the break. Thanks for having me, Al. <laughs> All right. So, uh, folks, we're heading to break. We'll be right back with much more analysis. So stick around. Many fantasy football players are focusing on their upcoming drafts later this summer. But the smart fantasy owner knows there's another big draft before the one where you pick the players. The first step in building a winner for the 2017 season is to draft the best team of experts for your preseason prep. 
So make the right selection and pick the squad at rotoexperts.com by purchasing the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. The Roto Experts roster features FSWA inaugural Hall of Famer and former Fantasy Football Writer of the Year Scott Engel, nationally acclaimed top ranker Jake Seeley, 2015 and 16 FSWA award winners Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison, and many more analysis with impressive stats. They bring you a draft package bursting with all pro analysis and in-season coverage that'll guide you to title glory. So pick the team to help you build the right team. Make your first important selection of the 2017 season now and get the exclusive edge fantasy football package from rotoexperts.com. Be sure to enter promo code free radio at checkout for your discount. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this show, and I'd like to thank Matt Modica once again for coming on with us last segment and breaking down some uh, all-star pitchers for us and uh, see whether or not he thinks they'll keep pitching like all-stars and uh, some former all-stars who have not really pitched like all-stars this year. And uh, some, some really good analysis there from Matt, as always. Uh, let's get back to some of the hitters looking at their first halves. Uh, and if you're just joining us uh, or, uh, you know, just to refresh you after that uh, last segment, I'm looking at uh, several hitters who have been, for the most part, pretty disappointing this season, or at least have had prolonged slumps, and yet they remained pretty much universally owned. Uh, ESPN, uh, CBS, Yahoo, you know, 95% ownership rates and up. Uh, and these are also, you know, players who typically I, I'm getting questions on Twitter about, uh, you know, is it time to drop this guy? Is it, you know, well, what do you think? So uh, we talked about Brian Dozier, who I think is worth the trouble of stashing uh, for at least a, a couple more weeks, maybe even a little longer. And I started talking about Rugnet Odor, and, and he fits a pattern that is one I usually find encouraging for a hitter that is struggling, which is, the power is there, the speed is there, the batting average is just not good. Uh, in Odor's case, he's hitting 220 at the break. But I'm not typically as encouraged. And just, by the way, to give you some, some context for why I actually view that as a good thing, because batting average more so than the other, uh, you know, or the other stats and the skills that are involved with those stats, uh, it's, it's more variable. Uh, I mean, a big... Uh, component of batting averages hitting on balls in play and you know we certainly with all the batted ball data that's available now we know a lot more about the components of BABIP than we did a few years ago Uh, but you know there's still a luck element in that and yes of course there's a a skill element there's a certain skill element to BABIP BABIP. there is definitely a skill element to strikeout rate so it's not a, a totally variable random thing of course but if somebody's got a 220 batting average, but you know they've got a, a 250 ISO, I'm not as worried about them as somebody who's hitting 280, but maybe has a 120 ISO. If you uh, if you get my get my drift there, so Odor fits that pattern, and the you know it's not like he's striking out a lot. It is BABIP trouble for Odor, and specifically on ground balls, he's hitting 194. But here's why I think that Odor might have kind of faked us out a little bit last year because um, he had a pretty normal batting average on ground balls last year. And I think he did the year before too. I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but this year he's hitting 194 and a typical batting average on ground balls is right around 240, maybe 245. 
So way, way below. Uh, he's polling 66% of his ground balls, which is extremely high. Uh, and and the more you can you know use the whole infield, uh, the, obviously uh, the better you're making your chances to get base hits. And this is not a new thing for Rugnet Odor. He's always had a high pull rate on grounders. So it might be the earlier higher BABIPs that are actually the fluke and not this year's. I do think that Odor will not continue to be a 220 hitter. I don't think he'll continue to hit below 200 on grounders, no matter how much he pulls them. Uh, you know, there's certainly enough power in the bat uh, that he ought to, you know, uh, hit the ball through some holes. But I, yeah, I, I don't know that he'll get back to where he was last year, even with the power and, and the steals looking good for him. Now, does that mean he's droppable? No. I mean, the, the, the power-speed combination is is really too much, uh, I think, to to give up on. But um, I don't, I guess uh, the actionable thing here is I don't really see him as a, as a great buy low. So uh, unless you get him really cheap. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, uh, I mean, he's been, he's been evoking the should I drop him question since probably like late April. I mean, probably before that because, you know, uh, there's always a tendency to panic early on. Uh, but, uh, I mean, certainly as we get deeper and deeper in the season, more and more people, rightfully so, wonder if they could drop Jonathan Lucroy. And if he was playing any other position, I would, without hesitation, say absolutely drop Jonathan Lucroy. Just so many ground balls, so much soft contact. Um, it, it's just not what you want to see from any hitter. So the problem here is that while I don't like anything really about Lucroy's stats in the first half, there is that chance as a 31-year-old that he bounces back. I mean, there, there's no reason to think that this this guy's career is over or, or on the way he's on the way out. Just doesn't make sense. Uh, so I think there's there's a good no no maybe not a good chance I should say, but a, a strong enough chance that Lucroy bounces back in the second half that you would really regret it perhaps if you dropped him. Um, now I said, if you played any other position, I'd say, well, you know what? That's a chance to take because there's really good option on, options on waivers. But in one catcher leagues, you've really got a dearth of options. So here's here's basically what I see as your fallback, fallbacks in a one catcher league based on their performance and based on ownership rates. Alex Avila, amazingly to me, is still out there in a good number of leagues. And I've already replaced Lucroy in a couple leagues with Avila. Now, when I say replace, I mean in my starting lineup. I have not dropped Lucroy. Um, I have a good amount of faith in Avila. So at some point soon, I may drop Lucroy because Avila is doing exactly what he did in 2011. Uh, I have to think he's he's probably healthy. All the peripheral stats are supporting what he's doing. So I'm probably set with Alex Avila. And even playing time isn't really a concern for Avila anymore. Um, so I'm just giving Lucroy probably a couple more weeks just to see if there's any sign of a rebound, because then if I do have two viable catchers, then I've got a trade chip in one of them. But if you don't have Alex Avila, your next best options would be Wellington Castillo, Austin Hedges, Russell Martin, or Mike Zanino. And there's a bit of a commonality, a bit of an overlap with those four pretty similar type hitters. That is, none is likely to help you much with batting average all have some power upside. Although I'm starting to wonder about Wellington Castillo because that, I think it was 2015 season where he busted out for power. 
is now looking like a, a, a big old outlier. But, um, you know, all four, and I would think certainly Hedges, Martin, and Zunino, I have very little doubt that they can help you with, with home runs. But it's such a big drop-off from what Lucroy could potentially give you. If you replace Lucroy with, let's say, Russell Martin, and then Lucroy rounds into his prior form in the second half, you, you've really given yourself a pretty big downgrade. So this is why I'm really hesitant to tell people to drop Jonathan Lucroy uh, as consistently unproductive as he's been in the first half. So um, maybe, I mean, if you have room to stash him, I like to think that uh, Matt Modica said in the, the last segment about Johnny Cueto, that's why you have a bench <laughs> for the Johnny, you know, Johnny Cueto's of the world. Somebody who's not given you any reason to hold on to him this year, a lot of really negative indicators, but Johnny Cueto could be Johnny Cueto again in the second half. Same thing with Jonathan Lucroy. So I would, I'm going to steal Matt's phrasing and say, this is why I have a bench. Give him at least a couple more weeks. Eric Thames, numbers overall are still pretty good. But since April 26th, I mean, the, the, the production's really been front-loaded for Thames. And since April 26th, he is hitting just 206. 206. Uh, he's kept hitting for power. That's kind of helped to keep his value afloat. In those 59 games since April 26th, he has hit 12 home runs. So that's basically about a 30 home run pace for a full season. But he's striking out 29% of the time. And hitting 248 on balls in play, so that's obviously not going to get it done. And if you're looking to validate that low BABIP, he is hitting a lot of fly balls. 46% fly ball rate over his last 59 games. So if I just stop the analysis right there, it's very clear that you could afford to drop Eric Thames. But <laughs> here's the but. He is hitting with a ton of authority. He's not just hitting weepy flies. So I'm... Even, I'm not really buying the low BABIP. I think Thames is a terrific buy low and absolutely do not drop him. He has a barrel rate of 12.8% since April 26th. I didn't do a full ranking uh, for that particular time period, but if you, you just plug that 12.8% barrel rate into the, the year-to-date standings, it ranks very high. And not only that, it's a higher barrel rate than what Thames had before April 26th. So think, think, chew on that for a little bit. So he's hitting for a lot of power. It's very legit. The BABIP seems like a bit of an overcorrection. So, yeah, don't drop Thames. And if you don't have them, see if you can go out and get them on the cheap. Mark Trumbo, just 14 home runs so far. So well behind a 30 home run pace. I mean, you know that this guy's probably not going to help you that much with batting average. He's definitely not going to help you with OBP if that's your format. Um, but uh, the power's just, you know, the, the one thing you figure you can count on from Trumbo, not been there in a, in the way that you hope to allow him to compensate uh, for the lack of batting average. He has just a 168 ISO, very, very ordinary. But as with Thames, uh, the stat cast data give me some hope for Trumbo. He's averaging 334 feet on fly balls. Um, I think just like last year where he was, crazy hot in the first half and very cold in the second half. I think maybe he just flips the script this year and gets hot in the second half. I wouldn't drop Trumbo either. Uh, if I was at all considering it, it would have to be 12-team, three-outfielder league or shallower. Um, you know, anything deeper than that. Absolutely do not drop Trumbo. Carlos Santana, 
He's only got 10 home runs, but he has 23 doubles. The batted ball stats look pretty good for him. It just seems like his power is translated more in terms of doubles than homers. So um, I'd be a little reluctant to drop him as well. So, you know, I feel like I'm just welcoming everybody to the bench here. I'm saying give him a chance, give him a chance. I've got one player on this list that I'm, I'm not willing to give the benefit of the doubt to. Who is that player? I will tell you right after the break. To be right back and tell you who the mystery player is. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger there. Uh, got a whole bunch of players who are have gained the trust of fantasy owners enough that they're still pretty much universally owned, even though they had disappointing first halves. And pretty much to a player, I agree with the owners. I think these are all players who deserve uh, even more of a chance, even though we're more in terms of playing time, you know, we're more more than halfway into the season. Um, even though nominally we're just now entering the second half. But there is one player who's very widely owned, uh, who has not really uh you know, has, has certainly fallen off, put it that way. I mean not a terrible first half, but but has fallen off in terms of production from last year. And that is Evan Longoria. And I think it could be time. I'm not saying he's must drop, but with a lot of the either or dilemmas that you're facing, there are probably some where you say, you know what? It is, it is just time to cut bait with Evan Longoria. He's batting 259, uh, going in half of that 259 batting average, just 12 home runs uh, and hitting a lot of ground balls. So in a way it's, it's a less extreme version of the Jonathan Lucroy dilemma that Longoria is just not profiling as the player he's been before. And yes, he could return to being that player. But the difference between Longoria and Jonathan Lucroy is that you can drop Evan Longoria and there's going to be several viable options that you're going to be very likely happy with rest of season. And one of those options is Yuli Gurriel, who I talked about at great length on yesterday's show. And so I did a Twitter poll because they're back-to-back in terms of roto value. You know, so far, uh, you know, very similar in value for the first half as a whole. But Gurriel, for the last, uh, and I'm trying to remember exactly how long, I think roughly a month and a half, has just been red hot uh, with a 282 ISO, I, I believe was the number, um, you know, a very high batting average, I think well above 300. So just been a stellar performer with peripherals to back up that that stellar performance. So while, you know, nominally, Longoria and Guriel have similar value in terms of how they're trending, Guriel, you know, the much, much more promising player. And 58% of those who respond to the poll would rather have Longoria. I did not answer my own poll, but if I did, I would have been part of the 42% going for uh, Guriel for, for whatever that's worth. But there's, you know, th- third base has just become very deep. So 
uh, it's not the same as losing Jonathan Lucroy and being stuck potentially with somebody who you know is one dimensional or or possibly zero dimensional. So um, I think that's where Longoria is a little bit different. Uh, he is hitting forty with a forty six percent ground ball rate. He's never before had one above forty percent. So it's it's really a dramatic departure. Now at the at the start of the show, I said that I'd had a a long list of players who were surging into the second half. With uh, like about a minute left of the show, <laughs> I, I can maybe get to one of them, and I will will quickly get to one of them. I'm going to be able to save this, however, for Thursday's show. And the good news is none of their stats will change between now and then. Even the ones who are in the All-Star game, actually, I'm looking at the list, and none of them are. So their stats definitely will not change. Anyway, I know it doesn't matter. But R.A. Dickey, I just want to make a quick note of him. Uh, in my recent waiver wire piece for FanRag Sport to talk about why I think 12-team, mixed 12-team league owners need to take the flyer on Dickey if they've got any room at all because he's looking better than he's looked probably since his Cy Young season um, over an extended series of starts. Uh, for more detail on that, the, check out the column. Uh, but he's really doing some incredible things with location lately that are pretty interesting, pretty enticing. So that said, I'm done here for today. Please tune in on Thursday. I'll have uh, Jonah Carey and a lot more. So enjoy the All-Star Day. Talk to you soon.